I'm uh, excited to share with you all this morning a message that I find quite interesting, and so I hope that you all do as well. And uh, so we're going to jump right into it. Let me get my things situated here. So last week, I shared with you all that I'd just been having a hard time. I shared with you all that, that the week before, this past one was just a particularly hard week and one of the hardest ones I've had in a while. And, and really, one thing that was happening during that week is I was really struggling to see the goodness of God. You know, we sang of the goodness of God this morning, and often we sing words and they can feel a bit hollow because we're not sure if we fully, like, are buying into the things we're saying. And, and sometimes I feel that way because if I'm not truly experiencing what I'm singing, then, then it can be a, a bit of a disconnect. And that was one of those weeks I was really struggling to feel joyful, and I, and I had to preach a sermon on joy, so that was a little bit challenging. Uh, but we made it through it together. Uh, and so I appreciate you all last week being willing to to dig in and share yourselves, you know, about ways you've experienced joy. And I know that it really was contagious. It spread to me and to others, and I left here feeling a whole lot better. And last week was um, started to see a lot more light. Um, but, but just like uh, you all, I mean, we all, all have hard weeks. Many of us have hard weeks throughout our lives, and I was having the same experience. Our text this morning um, really has been an encouragement to me, and I hope it can be for you all as well. It's another text from the book of Isaiah, and it is a powerful scripture, and, and I think it can help those of us who maybe are having a hard time right now believing that God is near. You know, one of my favorite uh, quotes from the New Testament is when the guy was talking to Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe, he said, help me in my unbelief. And, and that's like the story of probably all of our lives, right, who, who are clinging to faith and holding on to hope. It's like, yes, we believe, but we still have doubts. We still have struggles, and we need God to meet us in those moments. And so today, if you feel like I do right now, like you're just trying to come out of some hard stuff, then perhaps this text will help you, and hopefully it will remind you that God is indeed near and God is not far off. So I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. And I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And so it'll be on the screen behind me. And uh, you might be a little confused because it's like halfway through a story uh, where these words come. Sometimes the lectionary text can be a little confusing. I'm going to try to give you generally kind of some ideas on what's going on there. But let me read it, and then we'll dig into it. So again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ahaz was the king of Judah, by the way. So again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary mortals that you... Uh, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before those two kings you are in dread will be deserted. 
So let me explain just generally what is happening here, because I know it's a little bit confusing jumping into the middle of a story. So Ahaz was the king of Judah, and if you remember, there was a period of time where there was a unified kingdom of Israel, but at one point they split into two, and so you had the northern kingdom, which came known to be Israel, and then you had the southern kingdom, which was known as Judah. The southern kingdom is where Jerusalem was, um, and this is where King Ahaz was ruling. Now, King Ahaz, at this point in Israel's history, in Judah's history, he was stressed out and he was afraid, he was overwhelmed. Surrounding nations, including the northern kingdom of Israel, were conspiring against him and his people. Now, if you're the king of a nation and surrounding nations are conspiring against you, you would be afraid. Judah was a very small nation. There were powerful empires all around. And so he felt backed into a corner. And so he began trying to cut deals with nearby powers who really weren't his friends, but he was in desperation and was trying to figure out a way to save and salvage his rule and his people. So many of these deals that he was trying to cut were very unwise and very short-sighted. But often, you know, when we feel backed into a corner... Uh, we often make bad choices. And so he was facing big problems. And he lost sight of God, and it led him to make some bad choices. And so God sent the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz. And this happened all throughout the history of Israel. There were prophets who were sent to kings to try to help them get back on track. And what you'll find as you read through the books of like First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Almost all the kings rejected the prophets and didn't want to hear what they had to say. A good ruler always listens to the prophets. But kings often don't want to listen to the prophets because they're often challenging them and pushing them. And so Ahaz had Isaiah kind of in his ear trying to push him and challenge him to be the leader that God wanted him to be. And so the prophet Ahaz, um, or the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah went to Ahaz to remind him that God was indeed with him that even though he was facing all these struggles, that he still needed to stay connected and devoted to God's way, and he was trying to help him to see that God was indeed there. And so he gave Ahaz a sign. He gave him a sign. Now, God gave many signs to his, through his people throughout the history of Israel, um, and many of these signs were very grand, very big, very miraculous things. Um, some of the signs that come to my mind immediately that God gave to Israel, the plagues, for example, those were very powerful signs that were actually terrifying. Um, the miraculous births, there were women, old women who could not give birth uh, for their entire lives that were able to finally give birth. That's a sign from God. The parting of the Red Sea was a miraculous sign for God. The, the pillar of fire that was in the sky that guided the Israelites in the wilderness, powerful sign from God. Water gushed forward uh, from a rock was another sign. I thought of manna that rained down from heaven and the quail that rained down from heaven. All these signs were powerful things that reminded people that God was present with them and that they weren't alone. And all these signs that I mentioned, they were easy to see because they were out of the ordinary. They were even awe-inspiring, miraculous and this is often what we think of when we think of a sign from God. However, this time, the sign that God brought to Ahaz 
was not something out of the ordinary, like a pillar of fire in the sky or quail falling down from heaven. The sign that God gave Ahaz was something so everyday, so common, so routine. A young woman is with child and shall bear a son. And as I read this, I think, how is this a sign from God? Young women give birth every single day. This couldn't be a sign from the Almighty God. It's too ordinary. It's too normal. It's too common. Maybe I would want something a bit more noticeable if I wanted a sign from God when I'm dealing with all these geopolitical problems in the world. But this is not the sign that God gave to Ahaz. I wonder if the ancient translators of the Hebrew Scriptures felt similarly to me. And I'll explain why. I read the NRSV version of this text for you this morning. However, if you go and you read others, we'll see that there's a difference. Verse 14 in the NRSV says, The young woman is with child and shall bear a son. However, if you read other translations, some of them say that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, those are very different things, right? If it's just saying a young woman will give birth to a son, that is every day, that is common, that's a thing that happens all the time in our world since the beginning of time. Now, if it says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, that is not a very common thing, right? That does not happen very often. So as I notice this, if you ever are reading your Bible and you're confused about a passage, or it's good even just to do this at times, is you're studying a passage, look at different translations. And if you notice that there is a significant difference between the translations, then know that there has been a debate about these verses for a very long time, and that there is no resolution exactly on how they ought to be translated. We are reading the Bible in English. The Bible was not originally written in English. English didn't exist back then. The Old Testament was written in ancient Hebrew, and then the New Testament in Greek. And so we are far removed from those languages today. And so we are reading other people's interpretations on how they should be translated. And so I found it interesting that some translations say the young woman and others say the virgin, which are different things. And so I want to share two possible reasons why some translators use the word virgin in these verses. Because here's the thing. In the original Hebrew... It does not say virgin. It says the young woman. So later on, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament pretty cl- up uh, before Jesus was born, but a, few, a couple hundred years before that, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament that was written. And in the Greek translation, they translated the Hebrew as virgin. And so many of the translations we have today looked at that and they're like, we're going to go along with the Greek translation of the Hebrew. Now, another reason is that this verse that I read for you, many Christians, the early Christians, interpreted this section of Isaiah to be a prophecy about Jesus, who was born of the Virgin Mary. And so if the Hebrew said, you know, it said young woman, well, they're like, well, I would favor virgin because we think that this is about Jesus. And so we're going to take the interpretation of the translation that says virgin. So after hundreds of years, From when this event actually happened, somehow this event, uh, many people began to interpret this text hundreds of years later 
as to be more than just a woman giving birth, but it was, they were started to see it as a young woman in this text had to be a virgin. Now, we can't say for certain what Isaiah actually said to Ahaz in that moment um, because we weren't there and it was a long time ago. But all we have now is this ancient Hebrew text. And I don't think that we can ignore the fact that the Hebrew does not use that particular word. It speaks about a woman's age and the fact she was pregnant, but does not say anything about her past sexual history. I believe the original hearers of this prophecy, and probably the prophet himself, likely were not speaking about a virgin birth. And they certainly weren't thinking about Jesus. This was hundreds and hundreds of years before him. Now, of course, Christians have read this text, and they have interpreted this as being about Jesus, because they read this and they're like, this reminds us of Jesus. But we have to remember that the Old Testament prophets, they weren't so much fortune tellers. We often think that the prophets were, were just telling, thing, telling stuff about the future and they had some kind of magic ability to read into the future and tell us specifically what was going to happen hundreds of years later. The primary purpose of a prophet was not that. Their primary purpose was to speak to the current moment they were in, And many of them were speaking to current, everyday events that were happening in their time in which they prophesied. And they were trying to speak to the current struggles of their people. And so prophets spoke to the current events in the time in which they live, but often these prophecies could also foreshadow things that were going to come in the future. And let me give you an example that we talked about just last week. Last week we read a prophecy in Isaiah about a road being paved through the desert that would not be a dangerous road. It would be a safe road. No one's going to attack you on this road because often traveling on roads back then was not a safe thing to do because there would be bandits and wild animals and drought and and starvation. And so he said, no, there's this road in the desert that's going to lead you back home. And now we read that today, and, and we think of sometime in the future when God is going to come back and lead us all back to our heavenly home, right? But during that time, the Israelites were living in exile in Babylon, and they would have read this text as talking about an actual path that is going to be paved for them to go back to Jerusalem and return home from being in exile in Babylon. And so this text was about that. It was about returning home from exile and going back to Jerusalem. But this text also foreshadows a day in the future where we will all come home to our eternal home with God, right? And so I believe this passage that I read for you today is about a real-life woman giving birth during the time of Ahaz, but also points to another birth, another sign that was Mary giving birth to Jesus. So when Isaiah spoke to King Ahaz about this sign, the point he was trying to make was not anything to do with whether this woman was a virgin or not. I believe his point was he was talking about the birth of a son, not her past sexual history. And Isaiah was possibly even speaking about an actual woman when he said this. I like to imagine Ahaz talk, or Isaiah talking to Ahaz in wherever they were, and he says, hey, Ahaz, you don't want a sign from God, but I'm going to give you one anyway. And here's your sign. You see this woman over here? This woman is pregnant. And she's about to give birth to a son. King Ahaz was stressed out about really big problems. 
And to give him some comfort and reassurance, God gave him a sign. A woman will give birth to a son. This sign from God is so common and ordinary. Women give birth every single day in this world. Yet, when I really thought about it, and I think when you all really think about it, the birth of a child is one of the most beautiful and powerful and awe-inspiring moments that we experience here on earth. It's honestly life-altering and life-changing. One of my friends recently got married, and he's my age, and he wasn't sure if he would ever get married, and he had never planned on having children. Um, yet, after he got married, his, his, his wife was pregnant, and they ended up, uh, you know, spent months waiting for this new baby. And after his daughter was born, my friend told me, I, I texted him and said, how you doing, you know? And he said something along the lines of, my life is completely turned upside down, and I'm completely fine with it. As soon as he and his wife saw their daughter, they were consumed with a fierce, all-consuming love for this new life that they held in their hands. You know, I remember when my wife and I picked up our first foster son chosen from the hospital. It was during COVID, and, and they had all these restrictions in place, and so it took us probably over an hour just to get to the place where he was in the hospital. He was only six days old, and we were so anxious to see him, and we were getting so stressed out. We're like, can we just get back there? And they were prohibiting us for so many reasons, and finally, we were able to get there, and I was so nervous. I shared this with many of you all before. I was terrified. Um, I remember when we got the call, we called our friends. We're like, we're freaking out. We don't know what to do. We don't know about babies, and we were so scared. But as soon as we got to the place where these babies were, and we looked at him, and we laid eyes on that baby, laying in his bassinet, just love, like, consumed us. We were terrified, but fear had no power in that room, because love is all we felt in that moment. We even wondered, you know, if we could love another baby as much as we loved Chosen, those of you who have multiple children, you may have had that thought, can I love another child as much as my first? But we experienced that same feeling when we picked up Kai from the hospital earlier this year, six days old again, and we saw his beautiful, crazy head of hair, and we looked at this little creature, and we're like, what is this thing, you know? And we were so full of love for him in that moment. It was a holy moment. It was an awe-inspiring moment, and it changed us at the core of our being. We knew that God was with us. 100% when we were there at the hospital. Isaiah said to the king Ahaz that the woman's son, this woman he was referring to, would have a son, and he would be named Emmanuel, God with us. King Ahaz had lost sight of God. He was so wrapped up in politics and power and self-protection. He was so consumed by all the stress around him that he lost sight of the ways that God reveals himself to the world each and every moment of the day. What better sign could God give Ahaz to assure him that he hasn't abandoned his creation? A mother giving birth to a baby is perfect. It's like, Ahaz, you're all stressed out, but babies are still being born. Young women are still getting pregnant and having babies. New life is still entering into this world, and you're too blind to see it because you're so stressed out by everything going on around you. 
Think of a child growing and learning and opening up to the world. It all points to the goodness and the creative power of God. Of course, this baby's name is Emmanuel. Because every birth ought to remind us that God is present, that God is still moving, that God is still bringing new life into places that seem dead. As we've watched Kai grow up the last 11 months, we've found ourselves marveling at the creative work of God. The other day, like, I was just watching Kai try to figure some stuff out. And, and it's so, he's at the age where he's learning things every single day. And, and he was trying to get from like a side table to this chest that was in our back room. And he's not walking fully independently yet, but he's figuring out how to get around. And he had a toy in his hand, and he did not want to let go of his toy, but he needed both hands to get to where he was going. And I watched him in a moment. He looked, and he kind of thought about it, and he figured out he could, like, put his toy, loop it over his thumb, and he could still have access to his fingers. And so he reached from the table to the chest, and then he made it over with his toy, unscathed, did it. He figured it out. And I just watched him in that moment, and I'm just like, I didn't help him at all. He figured all this out on his own. All this was inside of him. This was all inside of him. And it just reminded me that God is here, that God is real. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus, the greatest teacher of all time, he was on a mission to help the world see differently. He repeatedly talked over and over again about having the eyes of God. Can you see, he would say, can you see it? He talked about sight time after time after time. He healed people who had physically lost their ability to see, but it was pointing to a greater and more deeper way of seeing in the world, saying that he has come to help us to see differently. Can you see it? Can you see the ways that God is moving around us? Can you see signs of new creation in our midst? King Ahaz couldn't see it. He became so consumed in his troubles that he lost track of God. And Isaiah reminded him that God is still present, that God is still moving, that God is still creating, that God is still bringing new life into this world if you have the eyes to see and if you look in the right places. He wasn't going to see it in the geopolitical power moves of his day. God was calling him to look elsewhere. He said, look, here's your sign. A young woman is pregnant and is going to give birth. Look to the day-to-day, -day, the everyday, the seemingly ordinary things. Because in those things, God is moving. And if we have eyes to see it, then we can see that God is indeed with us. And I'll tell you, if we, when we read something in the Old Testament, if we immediately want to jump to the New Testament, then we lose track of these kinds of meanings that we can find. Right? Isaiah... The Jews who read this aren't thinking about that. They're thinking about something else. They were speaking power to them in this moment. This young woman giving birth was a sign from God that God had not abandoned his people and was there. You know, I wonder if we could learn something from this. We are often so distracted, so consumed by media, by news, by drama, by our issues, by our anxieties, that we struggle to see God in the miracles and the beauty of everyday life. Often we're way too busy, we're working too hard, we don't take time to pull aside and to actually pay attention to what is going on around us. Ahaz was not going to see it in those things, but he needed to take time to step aside and to see that God was still there. You know, I went for a run uh, for the first time in a while uh, the other morning, 
and I was thinking about my sermon as I was running. And I was listening to some music, and, and I really was just able in that moment, and I forgot how good it is for me to get out and do this kind of thing. Um, because in that moment, I, I was able to kind of shut out a lot of the distractions and a lot of the stress and anxiety that I've been feeling in my life. And, and as I kind of settled into it and slowed down and just was able to, to kind of let my mind clear, I noticed the beautiful clouds. I noticed the colorful sunrise. I noticed the cool breeze hitting my face. And in my mind, the clouds could be named Emmanuel, God with us. The sun that rises each and every day could be named Emmanuel, God with us. Because these everyday, ordinary things remind us of God's presence, of God's creative energy, of God's love for his world. I feel like Isaiah could have shown Ahaz a number of signs to remind him of God's love and present. He said, Ahaz, here's your sign. Look, a seed is growing beneath the soil. And soon it's going to sprout, and it's going to grow into an olive tree that's going to give fruit and life to many. And that tree will be called Emmanuel, God with us. There's so much life around us. There's so much love around us, so much beauty all around us. And do we have eyes to see it? God is not far off. God is near. God is everywhere. You know, it says in Scripture, where can we go to get away from God's presence? Nowhere. Nowhere. God is everywhere. God's creative energy is working all around us, bringing new life to his creation each and every moment of the day. Can you see it? Can you see it? Perhaps you can reflect on what reminds you of God's presence. What reminds you that God is indeed near to us? You know, I told you all last week I was feeling pretty down and having a hard time and one thing that is helping me this past week is to slow down and disconnect some and to pay attention. And I've tried to reflect this week on some ways that I've seen God moving in my life, in my community, in the world around me. A few things that came to mind. A few weeks ago, I went to, to Raven Run and just went for a walk uh, in the woods. And I took just me and I took my camera with me and I was really just trying to pay attention. I was trying to notice uh, the beauty that maybe I typically would overlook. And what I saw was beautiful colors in the leaves that normally I wouldn't notice. I saw the reflection of trees in the puddles. I saw a river that was the strangest color of green. And it was Emmanuel, it was God with us that spoke to me in that moment. At Chosen's memorial service, dozens of close friends and family came forward and every one of them gave me and Laura a hug. And I'd never had that many hugs at once. And, and it reminded me in that moment that I was loved. Emmanuel, God with us. After Chosen passed away, uh, Jimmy, who's here today, a common good graduate, called me and Laura. And, and he told us that he was proud of us and that he loved us and that, uh, that he was there for us if we needed anything. And it, and it meant so much to us that someone we've mentored and watched grow up was able to then share that back with us and show us love and kindness in that moment. And for me, that reminded me that God was present, that God was with us, Emmanuel. The other day, Laura was in the living room just tossing a ball of yarn up and down in the air, and, and Kai was watching her throw it up and catching it. And, and he had wonder in his eyes. <laughs> and he started laughing with this deep belly laugh that I don't know where it came from. And he is just dying laughing, watching her throw a ball of yarn in the air. I don't know why he loved it, but he did. That simple joy 
of laughing with him reminded me that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Week after week, our worship team just continues to make beautiful music that mysteriously connects us deep within our spirits and lifts us up to God. It's Emmanuel, God with us. God is here. God is present. Love is all around us. Babies, plants, friends, music, mountains, rivers, wind, rainbows, laughter, food. All of it is gift. All of it is a gift from God. And it all says, I love you. I am here. I have not abandoned you. So I want to ask you this morning just to reflect, where do you see God's presence? How can you see God moving in our midst in the everyday things of life? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.